Picture this. It's blazing hot outside and you need to head to work. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get the cold air pumping as soon as possible, but it doesn't work. Instead, blowing hot air out of your vents and directly into your face. No, your car doesn't hate you. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the air conditioning system, and there's an easy all-in-one solution that will restore your cold air in no time. There's no need to go to the shop and pay lots of money when you can save time and money recharging yourself with AC Pro Recharge Kits. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience. And the AC Pro app offers clear, vehicle-specific instructions to help you get the job done in less than 10 minutes. So pick up an AC Pro Recharge Kit at any store selling auto products and confidently restore your car's cold air yourself today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or the property. It's the location and neighborhood, Dalton. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when we say in-depth, we're talking deep in-depth. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, a home, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. What do you think? Did he get him? I mean, of all things to say. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Family picnic sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> more than just potato salad. Are you kidding me, Mike? Oh my God, that is hilarious. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. back again for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download <clears throat> with my co-host Mike Davis here in the Bojangle studio. Mike, how's it going? Going well. How are you doing? How you do? I'm do I'm doing all right. <laughs> How you do? Um, I'm not started yet. Yeah, sometimes it takes a while to get going, get into the groove. I'm actually blown away that you're wearing that shirt. I, that was the one shirt we have three new shirts on the Dirty yeah. Mo lineup, and I said <clears throat> I don't think Dale will ever wear that, and it's the first one you've worn. No, I like them all. Um, I seen the new stuff. Um, got a bag, and uh, I like it. I'm, I like it. It's kind of got this cool '80s vibe. Yeah, it's definitely '80s vibe. You know, I'm into that. Um, Anyhow, let's get started. The um, I am slightly under the weather. Are you? Just a little bit. Um, I think that, so we were out there burning up all day, Tuesday and Wednesday. Mm-hmm. It was really hot. Phone said it was only 79 degrees, but man, it felt like it was 95 down there in the infield of the uh, Northwest World Speedway. But after our race ran, I was all sweaty. And then it got super cold, and I only had on a pair of shorts and a and one of those fishing shirts, and the wind goes right through it. Yeah, and uh, I think I got a cold that night, kind of still battling it. But um, goodness. Anyways, here we are, and I'm fired up. If you can't tell in my voice, um, there is a there is a hint or a uh, maybe more than that of disappointment, mm. and. You know, I've tried to get over it, but um, I am so, so disappointed yeah. in how the race for the All-Star played out. Um, you know, there's been this incredible buildup. Of course, I mean, when you when you get a hype train going like that, it, it, there ain't no stopping it. People just pour and coal into it, and everybody's excited, and it's just gaining speed. And so we um, – <clears throat> You know, there was there was a ton of excitement and hype around that that race. Now, if I encompass the entire week, it's a success. Um, if you listen to people in the area for uh, that live around there that have been going to that racetrack or have wanted to race there, it's a success because I mean there were so many people thankful even after the All Star race. Thankful to have been there to that that racing's back. Um, I had a great time 
for the Cars Tour event. I had a great time watching the Supers run and um, went to two concerts, which I never do at a race. I got to uh, see Midland play. We spent some time with Dean Combs and his family. Um, they live own the property pretty much, and they're kind of the they're kind of the gatekeepers, if you will, of of North Wilkesboro Speedway. And their little their little shop or bar was right next to the stage, and so I spent a couple nights there in the bar. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, concerts over and still wanting to go a little bit. They were more than happy to have us and um, went over to see Duggar play on race day and thought that the truck race was entertaining, thought the heat races were, yeah, we probably need to work on that a little bit. Um, having just a, you know, half dozen, I mean, sorry, it was about a dozen, having about a dozen race cars out there running around, I don't know that it was as good as it could be so i think you could rethink the the heat race or what you do it's made a little entertaining by the wet track so they that is true got, got yeah. put some there was wet some, tires on it there was some things going on with the wet tires that we're going to talk about later but yeah anyhow you know i i thought the uh open was really entertaining we saw some tippers and some frustrations play out and it f- affected the end result of the race and i'm sitting there going into the all-star race with pretty good optimism now, the R-Star race um, had a unique format that was a little more tamed down than what we've had in the past. I, I, I was excited about that format because I thought, you know, the racetrack is the star. The, the drivers are the stars. We don't need gimmicks. We don't need it to be confusing or difficult or hard for fans to understand how they, you know, how the race works. In the past, there was some really, really complex scenarios of how the how the all-star race plays out and and where you need to finish in each stage and how that would affect your starting position for the next stage and it was just really confusing and i hated it and i thought man we're gonna have a great race let's just line them up 200 laps will limit tires so they have to kind of pick and choose when they're going to put them on they don't just get to put tires on every time they come down pit road for a caution we never got a caution (laughs) that was the that was the problem and i was you know, I was able to influence a lot of what was going on throughout the week. And, yes, I was able to influence this, the format. So if you didn't like it and you thought the race was boring, I would take a little responsibility or a lot of responsibility for that. I was hesitant to uh, ask for one particular thing that I thought would make the race better. And I talked to Marcus about this. I was hesitant to add it because we use it in the Cars Tour. And I I didn't. I was afraid that people might pick up on how much of our Cars Tour format that we run pretty much at every race was incorporated into the All Star event, which is at the Cup Elite level. You wouldn't think that, man. You know, we're gonna this cup this Cup event, which is an All Star race, a really important event during the race. You wouldn't. I just felt like people were gonna go. You know. Dale's just trying to make this a Cars Tour race. He's just he's not coming up with original ideas. These are just the ideas that the Cars Tour is using. But I wish now, in hindsight, that I had asked to incorporate one particular thing that we do. At the Cars Tour, um, there is a, a lap clock. It's not a time clock. It's, it's basically a lap clock that's about 40 laps every week. And when... If you reach 40 laps of green flag, the caution comes out. If you have a natural caution, it resets that 40-lap clock. That's what I think would have been one thing of the many great ideas out there floating around today that could have helped the race. We needed yellow. We needed two yellows. Would have been perfect for that second stage. We needed the teams to have to make some hard decisions on when to put tires on. One yellow would have been a pretty defined decision. We're putting tires on. This is the yellow. So you need the potential for two yellows. So in a 100-lap sprint in the second half, a 40-lap clock would have given you the opportunity to have two yellows at least. You might have more yellows if you have natural cautions, which I'm sure if you rack them up and have a restart in that second half, there's potential for another, you know, some wrecks, some, some yellows, real yellows. 
I was apprehensive about that because on the other side of the coin, we're complaining nearly nonstop about stage breaks. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what that is. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a manufactured caution. That's right. And I didn't want gimmicks. That's right. And that's a gimmick. I was trying to figure out how I was going to ask you how this is any different than the yeah than a, the rules that you're trying to you know eradicate. Hey, I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. But what else was going to save that race? That's right. What no. else was going to save it? Not. I'm telling you, you you might you know you might could repave the track. Probably not going to change much. Probably not going to create yellow. It's not going to create yellows or or probably won't change the racing. Um. So all right. You know, I I, I am a- absolutely thrilled that racing is back at North Wilsboro. I thought the place looked amazing. I thought the, the fans were so excited to be there. I thought everybody was, everybody that was on property, everyone, NASCAR industry, drivers, everybody was pro what was happening. They were excited. Even, none of the drivers were complaining about it. Everything was, was A-OK. But the race was disappointing and as it was happening and playing out in front of me i'm like good lord this is the worst thing that could happen because now you know there's this apprehension i guess from marcus on what to do next Mm. and i think that he will go back there next year and i think he'll have the all-star race again and i don't think that it will become i don't think that next year will be a points race at wilkesboro my the vibe i'm getting is that they're going to probably go back and try this all-star race again with a, with a good handful of changes. We have had a conver- – you know, one of the changes uh, that you brought up just now, Mike, was um, tires. They, they did have a scenario accidentally where, you know, they threw on the rain tires during the heat races on Saturday. And, yeah, the tires wore out. They created some issues. The tires are rain tires, and they're made for road courses. They do not have stagger so that the car can turn left and right. If they built rain tires with some stagger in them, the cars would have handled better. They would have not burnt off the right front tires like the like Seabell uh, did. We saw a shot on TV where they had tires that came off of Seabell's car and then another car and the right fronts were completely different. Seabell's was worn to the core out. Yeah. Well, if they put a little stagger in the tires and build them purposely for an oval, that would that would fix some of those issues. I heard that there's not a massive difference in the compound of the rubber. It's the fact that there's just more rubber on the rain tire. It's thicker. And so that it as it's thicker creates a lot of heat. And that creates the wear. That that in, increases the speed of and rate of wear. You know, if you look at a bias ply tire from many, many years ago, or what we run on our late model stocks now, the Hoosier, it has a good amount of rubber on it. And there's a good thickness of rubber uh, that that wears away. A cup tire, the, the radial tire that they run on now, is very thin. The rubber is 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 really thin and it's intentionally thin so that it does not create heat that avoids blistering chunking failures that we've seen in the past um massive failures have been you know avoided by being able to really take the rubber away from the tire so that it's super you know super thin and doesn't create that heat but you know maybe the short tracks need a different approach and i think that I will be, you know, NASCAR is, NASCAR doesn't make the tires. Right. They don't, all right? So they're not the ones that are responsible for, you know, you know, what's going on here. But I do know they have some influence. So I hope that they can, NASCAR and especially Goodyear cannot ignore what we all saw happen on Saturday. When they put the rain tire on, not only, I mean, the cars were closer together. They raced closer together. So I've talked to two drivers, and they said the rain tire provided a lot of mechanical grip. And when you have mechanical grip, you can drive up closer to the car in front of you. When you're relying more on aerodynamics and the grip from aero, 
then the following car is at a massive disadvantage. And so as they, you know, when they put the tires on, it gave those cars so much mechanical grip or more mechanical grip, you saw them run closer to each other and with, you know, within striking distance, be able to reach out and get, make contact that we, that we expect at the short tracks. So I hope that NASCAR and Goodyear, I know that they, I know that they know what they saw. I know that they know why they saw it. I just hope that somehow this is a uh, a catalyst to to encourage them to take some risks on what we're rate, you know, what we're doing at the short tracks. It is not it is not just the tire. The tire is a massive massive component because it connects the car to the road. But it's also not just NASCAR's next gen car. You know, there's a combination of things that I think really played a role in the type of race we saw at North Wilkesboro and the type of race we have seen at the short tracks for the last two years. I'm terrified, Mike, that if we don't get this right, if we don't turn it around, change the direction or change the, change the perception of everybody's opinion of this next-gen car going to short tracks, I'm afraid that we're going to continue to lose opportunities at short tracks. How many times can we go? North Wilsboro got brought back. It's right there in front of us. It's ready to rock. It's ready to be an asset to this industry. But if we can't get the racing right there, if we can't get the tires and the cars right, how long can, can that place hang on? How long can a Martinsville hang on? And so I know that NASCAR understands this. I know that they have tried some changes to improve things on the short tracks, but it's getting um, a bit more concerning for me, at least. Um, the urgency for me is picking up, and the concern, you know, I'm just worried about it, you know. So, I, you know, I hope that, we get a lot more aggressive on what we what we do to the car itself, um, and we've been on this show, on this very show, man. We have outlined some thoughts and ideas on things they could do to improve the short track racing. Right? Uh, we've talked about it. They've they've been pulling downforce off the car. G- you know, get more aggressive. We don't. I mean, do we need an underbody for this short track racing? Do we need um, the transfuser and all that stuff underneath these cars for short track racing. I don't think we need that. We're not racing. It's not, you know, we're not racing sports cars around a half mile bull ring. Let's, does the stuff have to be on there? Um, what's the alternative if they could get rid of it? Um, you know, we talked about trying to increase the braking zone and getting harder brake pads or taking braking material away from the rotor itself to be able to make these guys have to lift sooner the cars not slow down as much, opening up a bit of a passing zone in the braking zone, being able to you know charge into the corner and try to outbreak somebody. Uh, you saw the tires. Is it less tread on the road? You saw the the rain tire was a grooved race, a grooved tire, just like you see on the street. Is that is that an idea? Is that something we can do? Is actually less tire on the road? Are they willing to build a smaller wheel, smaller tire? Probably not. That's probably very expensive to go re-engineer and design a more narrow tire. So could they just groove the slicks? Is that possible without blistering, chunking, and massive failures? If you have less surf, you know, less rubber surface meeting the road, there certainly has to be less grip, more off-throttle. More potential for tires to fall away, cars to slow down. Um, <clears throat> they talked about adding horsepower. Everybody's begging for that. Not sure that you could even put down the power they had this past week at a place as worn out as North Wilsboro. So I'm not sure that horsepower would have made much of a difference to what we saw, but still worth a conversation. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of things that could be could be aggressively pursued on. Uh, the next gen car, but uh, Denny mentioned it on his podcast. If you haven't listened to Actions Detrimental this week, he talks in depth about the tire. I 
implore you to go listen to what Denny's opinions about the tire are. He's a driver. He was out on the track. He experienced it. And he is not the only one that I've heard this information from. He's not the only one with this point of view that raced in that race this past Sunday. And, and, and stop real quick, because is he not saying basically uh, this absolutely can be done? He zeroed in on the tire. He said the tire is – is uh, there may be multiple things to blame, but the tire right there, there's a lot that we can do right yeah. now. And did Goodyear not come out recently saying that, you know, Denny's right. Denny's actually got uh, – a good assertion here that um, the tire can be softer. Am I dreaming that up, or is, did that happen? I don't know about a Goodyear response, but I do know that Denny has um, a great opinion about the tire. Yeah, and this is not a new opinion, but Den- I think what I think what we saw on Saturday with the rain tires versus the original slicks helped everyone that witnessed that casual fan, myself. Everybody, it was a. It gave us all a clearer picture of the approach that Goodyear could possibly take, and or it gave Goodyear an opportunity to really learn and 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 maybe take an alternative approach to what they've been doing to to provide tires to the industry. You know, it's. Um, I I hope that you know I hope that there's a lot of conversation around how to get better. Not just for Wiltsboro's sake. For short track racing, it is in our it is in our DNA. It is, you know, when we were going to Martinsville with the uh, with the old car, the car that we ran before the next gen. Every time we left that racetrack, I was thinking to myself, if this is what NASCAR could deliver every single week, we would we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to print enough tickets. Mm-hmm. You had. Logano pushing Truex around. You had Denny pushing Chase around. You had Bowman pushing Denny around. Every time we went to that racetrack, we had drama. We had frustration. We had sound bites. We had all kinds of, you know, frustrations that, you know, we don't want. You, you couldn't. You couldn't sustain that every single week. But it certainly would would be nice to have that popping off every other you know week or every other week or two or three weeks in the in the season once or twice a month but our short tracks are dwindling away and now we're we were now we're you know we've we've you know we're calling tracks that aren't even short tracks short tracks just so to say we still got a few old phoenix, phoenix. Northwoods or uh new hampshire man we got a couple short tracks left yeah we got plenty of short tracks man Charlotte Motor Speed. I mean, sorry, not Charlotte. Not, Charlotte's not a short <laughs> Not track. quite. Not well, yet. <laughs> hey, it's not Daytona and Talladega, so it is, it is potential down the road for it to be called a short track at the rate we're going. We'll say some road courses have short tracks in, tar- in parts of it. Right? Yeah. Like, turn three and four is a short track. Short track turn yeah. at, at the road course. I mean, you know. <laughs> Go to turn one, what are we short doing? track. What are we doing? Short, you know, <clears throat> it's just really frustrating. I'm with you. Oh, listen, we've had a conversation about this several weeks ago. Actually, it's probably several months ago where short tracks are the identity of NASCAR, of stock car racing, right? Yes. Stock car. Yes. And that's what you're get, alluding to. It's they are. It's, we're, not, we're not trying to preach Armageddon here. We're just trying to say, <laughs> look, there's a bit of an identity uh, tied up into the short tracks. You lose them and you, we don't race well on them, then that, yeah. you slip into a bit of an identity, identity crisis. There is that. There is that concern. But, yeah, if we don't race well on them, what's the future for the short track? I mean, there, oh, um, it, it's I'm, it's just concerning. So, you know, the truck race had 12 cautions. There's a lot more inexperience in that truck race, and there's things – there's guys taking more risks. Um, and they're worse drivers. I wouldn't say that. Is that not true? No. It's not? They're worse drivers. Than the cup guys? I mean, you could probably choose your words differently. I just I just as soon say what's true that they, they are that they're not as good as the cup drivers. I think that's an. I mean, God dang! I'm a driver, Mike. I find that I find that a, that a bit harsh. But I, you're, I get your point. So they don't have as much experience. They take risks that they probably aren't going to see guys taking the Cup Series. Um, and you know, so yeah, there's a there's a reason why there might be more cautions, but twelve to one. 12 to 1 versus a truck in all-star race. Um, I, you know, I think that you can't take away anything from Kyle Larson. 
he did drive through the field in the you know in the in the 60 laps or 40 laps that that happened in stage one that was pretty fantastic but as soon as he got the lead and drove away um race over <laughs> yeah the race was over there were some battles back in the pack but um you know he gets such a big lead the rest of the field's kind of like hey there's no reason to be too aggressive here um we're battling you know we're fighting against somebody who has a half a track lead i'm not gonna you know i'm not i'm not <clears throat> you know they're the the cup guys know how to measure risk assessment and as larson starts to dominate the 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 necessary you know the the risk taking goes out the window. There's no reason to take a risk when you're, you know, you're just going to push somebody out of the way for, for second place, and then you're still um, 15 seconds behind the leader. They're not going to tick each other off for that. Mm. Um, you know. Anyways, hey, can I ask you a question? You're you're taking this pretty hard. I am, man. I, it was it was it was uh it was it bothered the shit out of me. You're taking this hard, and I, I want to go back to the beginning because I'm not sure even I understand, so I, I don't know if the listener does, but you're taking responsibility for it because why? Did you meet with NASCAR? Did, how much influence did you have on the format of this? All of it. And so what? how does that work? They came to you and asked that, no. or you went to them? So this is how it works. Marcus puts the race on. Marcus gets to choose the format, and and – and you know, of course, NASCAR is going to say, "Yeah, that that works for us." They're not gonna, you know what? I mean, NASCAR, NASCAR would prefer that the track and and the and and I believe I I don't know this to be true. I haven't talked to NASCAR. They haven't told me this, but the as the process is going, this is my impression. They would prefer that the track owner and his team come up with all of those things because that takes them out of the criticism for it Hmm. right and i think we've known that over the last two decades marcus and his group have had a huge influence on the format they are the ones that come up with them you know marcus and network television right network television is like hey man you know that last format was good let's do that and add a little this and that and other let's change it up to keep it new Oh man, that last format wasn't good. Let's completely wipe the slate clean and let's do something completely different in a whole whole another set of you know of of gimmicks. And so the network influences it a lot. But Nat, you know, Marcus asked me my thoughts. I said, I hate the gimmicks. I don't want no more. You know, I don't want to race full of gimmicks. This and I don't want anything to cheese up what Wilkesboro could be. And I thought, you know. We're doing. We're going to do something very basic. I hope that the tires, you know, being limited would would create some strategy and some comers and goers. It that it did do that in the first stage. Guys came down pit road at that first yellow, put tires on, and one of them drove through the field and ended up dominating the race. We didn't get a yellow that we needed in the second half of the race. That was the that was the the problem. Yeah, we we needed a yellow and it never came. And had that yellow come out, it would have really ch- probably changed some people's strategy. Some people would have thrown Hail Marys. Maybe everybody comes and get tires. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, anyways, I had I, I told Marcus what I thought the format should be, and it was like 95% what I told him I thought the format should be. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, if I – if I got, if I'm being honest here, I feel like that if you hated the format or thought the race was boring and you felt like the format was responsible, I had everything to do with that. Um, you know, again, don't ta- I don't want to take any way, anything away from Kyle. He went out there and did what he had to do. If you're gonna, you know, if you're a race car driver and your car's that dominant, you're damn sure gonna drive away and try to win a million bucks. You're not gonna try to, you know, put on a show. Um, you know, I I just I I woke up. Monday and and uh, I I was happy about a lot of it, but I was still having a hard time, you know, dealing with how the race didn't deliver. We the night ended on a dud, and I hate that for everybody because everybody that came out there was hoping to see something different. That's fair. That is 100% fair. I, I'm trying to find ways to be more positive about it. <laughs> but to be honest with you, th- th- I think everybody that feels 
I don't know if I would call it a dud. Yeah. I would definitely say the letdown, though. And, and well, maybe that's right. the same thing. There was definitely some wind that came yeah. out of the cells yeah. in the way that race. And I want to say that I am not, I want, I'm not saying that this is Goodyear's fault, this is NASCAR's fault. What I would like to say is instead, Goodyear and NASCAR could in turn play the hero on what happens next. Mm. If things are going to improve at Wilkesboro the next time we go back or at other, any other short track, those two entities will be the reason why. And I am hoping and praying that they they get it right. And and so I also think now, you know, there there is some conversation out there about the surface of the racetrack at Wilkesboro. Uh, Denny thinks, you know, they might might as well just go ahead and repave it. I, I'm... I can take it or leave it. I mean, if they they want to try another race on the worn-out surface, I do think that they need to try to improve the outside groove a little bit. The inside groove in turn three and four has a little sealer down there that has a ton of grip. And so yeah, if, you're out, yeah, if you're outside of that, and nobody could run around the outside of three and four and not lose two or three spots every time. Right. If they got moved off the bottom, they lost several spots. I think that – you know they could they could either apply some sealer to some of the cracked areas up in the top groove to allow that outside groove to gain a little grip, or repave the whole track. It doesn't matter to me. I don't. I'm not as steadfast about the surface as I was coming into the first race. Um, <clears throat> either way, it's a year from now till then. There'll be uh, you know there'll be a lot of ideas thrown at the wall to see what hap- You know see what works and what doesn't work. Um. And 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 that's it. I mean, I I don't know what else to say about it. I had a I had one of the best times I've ever had at a racetrack in terms of being entertained. But it was none of it had anything to do with the actual race, mm. yeah, or the main event. I guess I should say the 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 late model race. I was I had a blast. Didn't run worth a damn. I mean, we started out the race really good. I was expecting the car to be fast. I don't run with those with the cars tour, but once a year, and we qualified in the top ten. I was happy with that. And uh, there's times when I think I'm getting the most out of the car, and then there's some times when the car can do more things than I don't that I'm not that I don't realize um, because I don't drive it enough. Um, I thought I was saving my tires and doing everything right, and then um, and moving forward, we we uh, gotten a little bang up on a restart, and it knocked a nose off the car, and the arrow went bad, and it pushed off the corner, and I burnt the rear tires up trying to make it turn, and then our night just kept spiraling um, downward, and um, it was just a battle for, you know, trying to trying to not to bleed out too much from that point on. But and both of our cars struggled, you know, the uh, Carson in the eight had won three Cars Tour races in a row, and I passed him. He's going backwards, bleeding out at one point as well. Um, so it's just, you know, it's odd. Sometimes you'll, you know, most times our cars are really fast, uh, the junior motorsports cars, and then there's those races where nothing makes sense, and we just get our ass kicked, and yeah. that's, you know, that's kind of what happened. Butterbean uh, did a good job, ended up winning that race, and – uh He's excited about hearing we might have him on here, Mike. He was he was uh, texting me going, "Hey man, I'm I'm happy to come on anytime." He's I available. Know, yeah, I know you talked about that having some of the Cars Tour guys come on the podcast. So uh, we'll see as the season goes. Um, maybe as we get closer down to the points battle and and bring in some guys and give us some good sound bites. Yeah, because they're competitive. Um, they're competitive. <clears throat> there was good competitive racing. Yeah. Um, it was uh, awesome. It, it, it was awesome to see Josh Berry win the Open. That was an interesting race. Um, McDowell getting pissed off at Gibbs. Yeah. Gibbs shoves <laughs> him out of the way. Ends up getting McDowell kind of sandwiched in a three wide deal that sends him into the wall off a of four. And then later in the race, McDowell's a lap down and they're coming up to lap him. And he made things incredibly difficult for Gibbs. It was entertaining. Um, I, w- I was, for lack of a better word, thankful for it. Even though I didn't want, you know, it's nothing against Gibbs. And it, and it wasn't because Josh won. I was just like, all right, here's what we're ca- – this is the entertainment we're here for. Yeah. This is what the All-Star Race is about. You had no idea how thankful you'd be for that yeah. after later Settling, in the night. Yes. <laughs> you got a grudge, settle it right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> Hell with this, you know, waiting around till it, till it, till, till the steam wears away until, you know, until you're over it. This is TV, Dale, and you're out. And you're back slapping in the bus lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
let's you know you get ticked off at somebody i want you to handle it the next lap that's what the all-star <laughs> race is about um but anyways it was cool to see josh win and he goes into the all-star race he's a sub racing in the all-star race for the first time and i know he probably wasn't and uh didn't love the result that he got in that i think he finished 15th but still man just to even be out there with the way his career has been over the last three or four years is pretty phenomenal. Bubba Wallace had, he finishes second. He's proud of it. Of course, everybody didn't like getting their butt kicked by Kyle Larson and Bubba flips the bird to the TV screen at, uh, uh, during his interview, I suppose I didn't see it, but uh, I saw it on social media and apparently some fans had gotten on his radio at the end of the race. And uh, were, yeah. Ra- yeah. And we're raising hell and saying some pretty bad. Shit. Yeah. And so, um, I thought, you know, I thought that was bad. Uh, and I remember back in the day, people we used to get on our radios um, and say some pretty, pretty stupid things. But um, I've always felt like that this isn't going to be popular among our fans because they love the access. But when I started driving race cars, our radio frequency was a it was a private conversation there weren't scanners fans in the stands there might have been a few fans that understood that technology enough to be able to have a scanner in their hand but there were so few the conversation on the radio was between you and the team you said anything you wanted and you could you know you didn't have to be secret about your decisions open communication everything was you know you talked about whatever was going on and I was in I was around the sport long enough to where it completely developed from that, which I know that's probably hard for people to even wrap their brain around. Surely, surely not. Surely there was all kinds of access. There's always been access. No. When I was a rookie, when I was racing in the Xfinity series, not many people were listening to your radio. And then, you know, scanners become more popular. Then you could rent a scanner, and then now they're basically just handing out scanners, and now they're emailing you every driver's radio frequency. You could program your own damn scanner. And it's basically just a free-for-all. It, that's what it's kind of transitioned to. Mm. And I never loved that. Um, I never loved it because I, I, I you know, I cussed a lot. Uh, I had embarrassing moments on the radio fighting with Tony Jr., that now were public fodder and 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 even going on broadcast during the races, right? They were in marketing campaigns, right? <laughs> Your and, stuff, yeah. And so I didn't. It I wasn't. You know, I had to change. I had to. I had to start minimizing what I wanted to say, what I thought about. I had to start controlling what I would say and think about, knowing that it would be um, used against me in some way. Um, and then there were those times when we were at Talad- we were at Daytona during the July race one night. Some fans on the radio, clear, mm-hmm. you're all clear, mm-hmm. and we're like three wide, and they're you know they're like jokingly spotting us into a crash, trying to trying to some way get us to make a mistake. Um, there was another race. They were hollering, "Park it! You need to park it! You need to get off the track!" You know. Um, this happened to quite a bit at Daytona. Daytona, yeah. somebody out there had, had, had yeah. for years. Yeah. Could have been the same guy. I think it was. So, um, but yeah, I was, I was disappointed. I, I'll tell you, man, Bubba Wallace puts up with more hmm. um, than anybody deserves. And I wanted to make uh, one particular experience known. I was at Darlington, right? A couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago. We're at Darlington. We're on this stage, and it's the 75 greatest drivers all lined up. And outside of me, I mean, these these are the greatest drivers that have been involved in the sport, all distinguished of varying ages. Everybody's there to have this great experience, and the drivers are being introduced and walking by us and shaking our hand one after the other. And it's this moment where, like, you know, everybody, you would think that, you know, people would, it would be a moment where you'd behave. It's a positive vibe, you yeah. would think, yeah. Every And there's this one guy at the rail, the rail of the fans that are down on the front straightaway, there's one guy at the rail, and 
everybody for the most part is just cheering and you know there there's a couple they give, give you know a couple people a hard time Danny and all that just some you know just some smothering of booze and nothing crazy right but Bubba gets introduced and he walks across the stage and there's this guy right in front of me and Carl Edwards and Matt Kenseth and everyone else there screaming at the top of his lungs go home go home go home over and over as loud as he could and it was like so obnoxious I was I really wanted to jump down there and go hey could you stop do you is this really how you what you want to do right in this moment is this is this how you want to behave right now in front of all of these incredible you know people that are standing you're, you're standing in front of you're Richard Petty and all of these legends you're going to be acting this way and I thought man I, and that that's one day in Bubba's life you know and I was thinking I know that there's people out there that have hated Kyle Busch and hated other drivers and they probably have said some nasty things, but it just made me really um, disappointed. Anyways, um, and I've been hesitant to, to talk to Bubba about it because I thought that otherwise, outside of that moment Sunday at North Wilsboro, Bubba was smiling. I had, you know, I feel good about our run. We got our butt kicked by Kyle. I'm... I'm glad that we're running well and I'm looking forward to the next race. And I didn't want to text him the next day and bring him back down and go, man, I hate, hate what I saw you go through at Darlington. That really, that really was an eye opener for me. And I hope you, um, I hope, hope you don't let, you know, all of those things bother you too badly, but it was, it was, um, it was disappointing. And I hate, you know, hate that fans go through those, go to those links to jump on his radio and, I mean, that took some effort to get to get the access to be able to do that. I saw a video clip, an uh, interview of Bubba this past weekend, and a reporter actually asked him the questions that you're wanting to ask him. And it's like, you know, does it bother you? And Bubba's answer was, would it bother you? And the guy said, yeah, it would bother me. He goes, all right. And Bubba also said, this is every week. Yeah. He goes, it's every week. So uh, that's an interesting story that you told. I, that's it, it made me uncomfortable and I wasn't even there. It, so it makes me uncomfortable just yeah. knowing that, yeah, Richard Petty, the, like the legends here, sitting there, and that's how this guy was. Behave, a, but yeah, I mean, the guy was young. He was like you know mid twenties, and and just and the whole every other driver came through there, and he reacted just like everyone else. But when Bubba walked up there, it was like this: he couldn't be loud enough. He it couldn't he could not say it as any you know he couldn't be more obnoxious. I'm of the mind that uh, the, you drivers, and you will tell me probably that I'm wrong, but uh, I think all of you drivers, you, you hear the one boo, even if it's one boo or yeah. two boos, I think you hear them, yeah. and I think it bothers you all. Oh, yeah. And I know that most of them go, yeah, don't bother me. Hey, they're doing something. Denny said it this past week. Denny got, Denny's mom was on last week's podcast, and it bothered her that not at driver intros, but in the 75 top driver intros, he got booed. Yeah, they Like, you think you'd save it for the, at least recognize yeah. the honor that that is. And yet she was like, you know, hearing them boo bothered her. Of course it does. You're human, right? Yeah. And that's her son. But the fact of the matter is, is that I think it does actually take a psychological toll. And, uh, you know, most people just don't admit it. I think that, um, I think that Denny can um, rest in the, I think Denny and his mother could could take a little comfort in knowing that once he does retire, and especially when he goes into Hall of Fame, the people that are booing will no longer boo. Even the people that – this is an interesting thing I was telling somebody about this weekend. When a driver retires or goes in – or and goes into the Hall of Fame, like a Kyle Busch, a Denny, myself, um, the people that booed you didn't like you – will say, hey, man, I wasn't a fan of yours, but I really appreciate what you you know did for the sport. They, they, when you're a competitor on the track, they're, they're transparent, right? Yeah. I hate you, and I like you. This is my guy, and, they, and I really don't like this guy, and I'm going to – I'm wearing that on my sleeve. But when that, when, when that guy that they don't like hangs up that helmet – they their their reaction and 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 engagement with that person at a racetrack or whenever they might run into them is completely different. 
They don't boo a retired. They don't, you know, they don't boo any of the retired guys. They don't boo any of them. They haven't been drinking all day at the racetrack. <laughs> the people that Most were likely. booing the the people that were booing the active drivers like Denny were not booing any of the retired drivers that were on that same stage. I got you. I know what your point is. Yeah, even the ones they didn't like. Well, it's, does it come with the territory? Well, the booing and and yeah, I mean, if you, I think what a lot of people would say, you're making a good life. You got you know your drivers, yeah. you know. You don't you don't have rights to complain. People can boo you. You'll you'll be fine. Is that is that a fair argument or no? Um, I, I'm not trying to justify what happened to Bubba. By the way, yeah, that's that's crossing a line. That, I, yeah. that, I feel awful about that myself. But I'm just saying, is it? I think it affects you guys, but I also think that you guys know that it comes with the territory. You're a professional athlete in a very yeah. public setting, right? I guess so now we're talking about something a little different, yeah. than what but, what Bubba deals with. But right. Um, I think I'm I'm surprised by the way they boo Denny. I am because the guy is and guys creating a podcast, which is content, which is an effort to to engage with fans, an effort to give fans more than just you know being a being a being a character on the racetrack. Um, so I'm a bit surprised by it, and you know the and Denny Denny just smiles and and says you know. Darn, you know what? Well, well, this is my life. The way it, this is the way it is right now, and it, you know. So the way he reacts to the booze, I think, is good, and would change the booze, make the booze go away, like Kyle Busch. Um, now I felt like, and I'm, I mean, I'm on a, I'm in a different place with all of that because I was involved in some of it, but I felt some of the things, some of the criticism that he got and the booze that he got from the fans were justified, you know? He kind of brought it on. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he did things that were like, oh, right, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, wrecking, wrecking Hornaday and, right. you know, flipping off NASCAR and on pit road. And, you know, he just did, he did a series of things that I felt like, insta, you know, in, didn't steer fans toward cheering they steered more fans toward you know being aggravated with him and frustrated with him and criticizing and um now though it's funny you ask because i wanted i forgot to mention this now though to kyle bush's credit he has made a big effort to turn that around i think that him and i think that him and his very very close inner circle have been making a great effort to show that he's charming, he's funny, he's you know, he doesn't take himself too seriously on social media. Him and his him and his family make all these, you know, Instagram posts and stories and stuff, just goofing around, having a good time. He's a great dad going to race with his son. He's exposing that part of his life saying, Hey man, you know, I'm not this ass villain all day, every day. You just get these little clips at the racetrack. So he's working really hard, I think, and I got to give him some credit. Also, he goes to RCR, a team that everybody wants to cheer for. Everybody, oh man, you know that's that's RCR. Good history there. They've been, you know, people have been wanting RCR to have a driver worth, you know, that that they expect to be up front. You know, Austin's been struggling to kind of be that guy, and um, so everybody had these high hopes with with Kyle Busch going to RCR. All the RCR fans are energized, and he's over in a Chevrolet, um, very apple pie sort of brand. So we're sitting there on the stage in Darlington, and Kyle Busch walks across. We're shaking hands, and the fans were cheering. And Kyle, <laughs> Carl, Carl Edwards looked at me and goes, what in the hell is that all about? <laughs> he... <laughs> It's not how he remembers it. No. I said, Carl, I said, Kyle went to drive for RCR and Chevrolet, and all is forgiven. He thinks he's asleep. He thinks he's dreaming something. He goes, what the hell? This ain't adding up. I told him. I said, he went to RCR and drove a Chevrolet, and all is forgiven, buddy. And so he was taken aback by that. And then he's like, see, was, I think he might have been a little surprised by it. It was kind of like everything that Kyle used to get, now Denny gets. And, and anyhow, I thought that was so funny. 
And I forgot to tell you about that. That's good. Hey, Dirty Mo listeners, this is Dylan Hart Jr. It's May, and you know what that means. The Indianapolis 500 is just around the corner. Thankfully, we have Speed Street with Indy car racer Connor Daly and comedian Joey Molinero. They're going to get us ready to go. Follow Speed Street so you never miss an episode and get ready for the greatest spectacle in racing, the Indianapolis 500. All right, well, uh, this weekend we transitioned from North Wilkesboro and the All-Star Race to, to Charlotte and the 600. Charlotte has been putting on, now Charlotte the Oval, has been putting on some good races. Thankfully, you know, there was a long stretch where there was a lot of frustration over the style of racing at Charlotte and the lack of, you know, passing and so forth. And, well, the next-gen car, what it lacks at the short tracks, it certainly does not lack at the mile and a half. And I expect to see an awesome race. The Xfinity race at Charlotte um, equally as entertaining last year. Um, they ran that during the afternoon last year. And, and um, I think running during the day at Charlotte is always a positive Anyways, um, hopefully that's a great weekend. I'm going to go to Indy. I've got to work for NBC, so I'll be at the Indy 500 and will not be at Charlotte. Um, and one of these days, I can't wait to go back to the 600 and just kind of go and be a fan. But until then, let's get to some Ash Jr. Ask Junior is brought to you by Xfinity. They've been a proud premier partner of NASCAR for a long time and a great partner here at the Dirty Mo Studios and um, supporting the Dale Junior Download. So um, we're thankful for them. We're thankful for what they bring to the to the sport and to to our show here. And uh, you've been putting your questions in on uh, their Twitter handle with the hashtag Ask Junior at Xfinity Racing, and we are going to go through them. Let's 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 get it going. Our first question is, uh, of all your throwback T-shirts, do you have one that you've been trying to get your hands on but can't, or is there a specific driver you wish you had a throwback T-shirt from? Uh, yeah, actually, um, there is this one particular shirt, and <clears throat> there's a shirt with Buddy Baker's Grey Ghost on it, and it's from 1979 or 1980. It is not a reproduced shirt. It is from... 1980 or 1979 it's got buddy baker and then the gray ghost oldsmobile amy loved that shirt and uh, it was like a small and um she wore it a lot and apparently unfortunately it was in our luggage when we crashed the plane and it burnt uh you know we lost the shirt so um we lost a lot of things that day but um i've always been looking for that shirt to replace it because she i love all types of throwbacks stuff and but she was very particular i would i i would give amy like hey man here's 10 shirts and she's like yeah i like that one i'll wear this one you know who's this guy mm -hmm. and uh so that was one that i wish i could find um maybe yeah i'm sure one's out there somewhere i just got to keep looking yeah do you have a favorite one that you have on right now that is uh that you're like that's the go-to that's the number one no not really so um you know the throwback stuff for me is where it wants and put it away yeah you know um i don't know wearing it multiple times it's not this not a garment like you you in like a normal shirt in your closet you're just gonna oh, okay that goes with my pants i'm gonna wear that mm -hmm. um it's a one and done type of thing but sometimes i might wear them you know i kind of just got them to, to wear on the show yeah this show um but i i um I have a lot. I have a whole bunch. And I have even more packaged away that don't fit. Like, I buy them, and you're like, okay, yeah, large in 1980 is not a large today. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I got a bunch stored away and some still on a rack and just going through them. Hmm. Our next one is from Chad. Uh, you mentioned last week that you got a lot of weird Christmas gifts growing up, like a leaf blower. Yeah. Uh, do you have any others that you were thought were strange? Yeah, Dad and Teresa went to race at um, – Dad and Teresa went to race in Japan. When was that? When's the first Japan race? Maybe ninety-eight. No, no. Before then. Before then. Oh, oh it was before then. Yeah. You're right. The it's first like ninety-four. One. Or something. That's right. Something um, like that. We got chopsticks in her as a stocking stuffer. Mm. <laughs> what the <laughs> dude? I'm telling you. <laughs> Just regular old chopsticks. Yeah. It was that and a few other knickknacks from the gift shop in their hotel, I suppose. <laughs> What in the heck are they thinking about chopsticks and a stocking? I, I, do not, I don't have any context. I'm sorry. <laughs> that is 
That's interesting. No, no, they don't have any context. No, I'm sure there's no context. No. It is what it, it is. It is what it is. That's the context. <laughs> Chopsticks. All right. Our next question. Uh, so I don't know if you saw it, uh, the Indy 500. They have special qualifying rules. <laughs> <laughs> Graham, it was a weird transition, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Graham Ray Hall regularly missed the race. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think NASCAR should adopt that nobody is safe qualifying for like their big races, like the Daytona 500? Yeah. Like I that? think whatever you do, you do it every week. Yeah. Um, and that's and I I think um, you know the the charter system has its positives, but it also has basically created the F1 style for you know race grid where everybody that sh- you know everybody that has is in the series shows up in races we have you know we used to have 43 cars start races you had two provisionals and a champions provisional and um all co- it was very you know qualifying was sort of uh compelling you know because of how you had to work to get into the field and you had you'd always send maybe one or two guys home and uh now with the charters you get you you 36 cars, 36 cars, 36 cars. It's the it's the 36 cars. There's there's every, every once in a while in some of the bigger races you get a couple like the Daytona 500 you had you know one guy that wasn't wasn't going to make it. Um so it it I don't think you'll let, it, it's not even worth debating because it's never going to happen. Never will they go to a scenario where one of the charter teams would ever be in a th- you know a threat to be knocked out. Or not race, or not compete on that weekend. That's the whole purpose of having a charter is to be guaranteed that you will race, so you can then do, you know go to a partner or sponsor and say, "Hey, I'm guaranteed to be in all the events." Um, I will say that we are such a far cry from the 1979 Daytona 500, which I've been researching a lot here lately. They sent home they 37 entries went home from the Daytona 500. Mm-hmm. By not either qualifying or racing their way, way in through the duels, thirty-seven different entries. Thirty-seven. Yeah, they went field. to yeah, they went to Richmond two two races later and started only thirty cars. Wow. Um, <clears throat> so it's uh, it's a different time, but um, yeah, I think with the charter system, it's changed all that. Yeah. Uh, for our last batch of questions, we have a crew, Dirty Mo Media crew, going to Indy. So they're in the car right now, and they sent in a bunch of questions. So we can rap, <laughs> like, rapid fire these off. Is that fair? <laughs> Is the one they get access the driving? They've right leapfrog <laughs> the fan access. <laughs> we, they should feel no, very, it's not fair. But two, I'm kind of yeah, curious on they, what they're the, they're interesting. That's why they they, be, they make the they, cut. They should feel very. Bad very lucky. <laughs> uh, from Dustin, is how do you like your eggs cooked? I'm lazy, so I'm like scrambled. I we just I just went and got breakfast with my family yesterday, and I, I'm that very question is like, yeah, how do I want my eggs? They're like, what do you? I want two eggs. Well, how you want them? I'm like, so I guess scrambled. Yeah, you know, I'm just um pretty lazy about it. Yeah, I get that. I'm the same way. I'm not. I'm not even love eating eggs. Yeah, a little watery sometimes. Yeah, I just don't. Even, I mean, it's not a very Fun. Put put a little bit more thought, Alex, into how they're cooked, and then you would Maybe. not have watery eggs. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Uh, James would like to know if— You know, I will say, yeah. hey, the one thing. So I saw—this is so silly and simple, and uh, probably not worth live YouTube, but um, <laughs> I went to this hunting camp, and I was watching um, this, this, this lady cook eggs in the morning, and she— Cracks the egg and puts it in the frying pan so it's sunny side up, right? And she's putting the salt and pepper on before it's cooked. And I thought, that's perfect. It's like built in. Salt and pepper, built, you, know, you know, just sinks down into the... Fused into the yeah, eggs. So yeah. I was like, man, that thing's going to be awesome. And it was one of the best eggs I ever ate. Yeah. <laughs> so the answer is sunny side up, but you got to put the salt and the pepper in before the eggs cook. Interesting. I'll have to try that. Yeah. Uh, James would like to know if you'd rather be able to fly or invisible Phew. invisible invisible yeah yeah i mean there we got there's there's ways to fly without having you know having superpowers yeah that's a good answer uh the next one is what song are you singing at the karaoke bar um the very first song i ever karaokeed was good thing by fine young cannibals and um uh I like that one. It's pretty. It's probably my go-to. Yeah, 
man. Mike, what about you? <clears throat> free bird all day long. No, <laughs> free bird. Not the tequila song? That'd be my go-to. <laughs> I liked how Connor Daly said on Speak Street how the, the, the uh, Denny asked a question or DBC asked a question about what, the, what bars should they go to Indy, and it made Connor tell a Denny Hamlin st- uh, story about when Denny was in Indy karaoke and to the thong song. Can't you just see Denny Hamlin karaoke in the thong song? <clears throat> trying not to picture it, but yeah. yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> Uh, and then the <laughs> last one from Andrew. Curlin. Big crowd here is what we got. Uh, big response. Thank you. Uh, our usual Ask Junior host is, would you rather fight a small bear oh, or yeah. wrestle an alligator? Is this coming from our car? Is this coming from our people? Yeah. yeah. They're about to interview Mario yeah. Andretti. They got <laughs> other things to worry about and think about. I'm telling you that not only are not only have they leapt over the fan engagement on on our YouTube but they, live, but their their questions are much worse. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, the best questions actually come from the fans. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Are there any fan questions left? <laughs> yes, yes, there is. There is one from Kyle. Uh, <laughs> now that North Wilkesboro has shown surrounding states that racetrack revival is what the fans want, will this help jumpstart the national fairgrounds or other lost speedways? I think that this is a good um, – I think everything that happened at North Wilsboro, even with the dud of a race we had, I think it's a good thing for a track like Nashville Fairgrounds. I think it is a good – I think it's a good thing for even a track like Rockingham. Rockingham was talked about more this weekend because of of what people came and saw at Wilkesboro. I don't know – I mean, I can't tell you how many times I was asked about Rockingham – while I was at Wilkesboro this weekend, and even other drivers, right? I saw Chase Elliott talking about it, being asked about it. So it is a good thing for all of those possibilities out there. Um, and while I am thrilled to have been a part of what we what happened at Wilkesboro, I don't know if I got the energy for another one. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. Um, there's so many variables involved in all of that becoming a success. And even after all of the work we did to even have like a small five or 10% complain or, 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 you know, of course the race wasn't good. Um, I'm not even talking about that, but, uh, you know, there was, they, there was people, I was seeing some stuff in my timeline after the heat races, um, with people going, Oh, this is a waste. No wonder, they abandoned the old North Wilkesboro, and I'm thinking, how could you be that way? How could you even have that? How could you not sit out, you know, <laughs> keep your opinion to yourself, I guess, when everybody's so excited and positive? It just takes a lot of wind out of your sails. But um, I uh, I hope that, you know, that NASCAR goes back to the fairground someday. I think it's a, a good possibility. It's 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 um, And I, I feel better. I feel better about Wilk or uh, Rockingham than I did going into the weekend. I just felt like, you know, man, there's no NASCAR's not going to want to race more in North Carolina. You know, they moved out of the southeast to get bigger and gotten out, you know, and they're wanting to go beyond our borders to race in internationally, right? Um why would they want to come back and and saturate a market that they left but i that's the way i felt before we went to wilkesboro but now i feel like you know somebody's something could happen at rockingham if it's not cup maybe it's xfinity or truck um that goes back there and becomes a more of a regular show there so i don't know yeah yeah that's all i got all right everybody i appreciate the questions i hope everybody tunes in later tonight we had a great show earlier and um We've got a great guest this week. Slubber Labby is going to be on uh, tomorrow, so hope you'll tune in for that. And, and um, I'm headed to Indy. Make sure you tune in for the 500. I know you'll be watching the 600 at Charlotte, and I'm sure everybody's going to try to catch both shows. I'll be working a little bit for NBC there in Indy, and um, it ain't long till we're back in the booth at the Cup races uh, at the end of June. And so um, just a lot going on. Very, very busy time of year. And I hope everybody's doing well out there.
All right, everybody. It was a great show. Thanks for Xfinity and uh, their 10G network and supporting us here for the Ask Junior segment. Uh, Mike, great conversation about Wilkesboro. And um, I guess we'll just be in limbo to figure out what the future is for Wilkesboro and, and, and racing at that racetrack. Uh, I feel pretty positive about Marcus wanting to go back there again and, and have, have a – you know, have another good, have a good show, right? I don't think they're going to give up on, on, on what can happen at that racetrack. Make sure uh, you're paying attention this weekend with the Indy 500 going on. Uh, The Indy 500 is a race I've been going to for the past few years. Got the chance to work the um, broadcast with NBC and I really enjoyed it. Going to do it again. I think they're pairing with, pairing me with Latard a little bit in the pre-race. So that should be a lot of fun to hang out with him. Catch that on NBC and Peacock, 11 a.m., and um, the 600. Hope everything goes well there. It will. Yeah. It will. We're going to end with a positive vibe, and it's going to be an awesome race. The 600. We're going to be talking about it for ages. Yeah, the Xfinity and the uh, Cup race at Charlotte should be awesome, awesome races to watch, and I expect those to go well. So, anyways, um, make sure tomorrow you tune in. Slugger Labby's coming on here. Slugger, he has he's done a lot in this sport over the last several years, Um three plus decades obviously working at DEI and um can't wait to talk to him about that but it's got a pretty cool story so we'll see what he's been up to lately and until then we'll see you check out Dirty Mode Media on Twitter Facebook TikTok and Instagram